Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You'll notice that this episode uh, was recorded, obviously, before we got the news that uh, Carrie Fisher had passed away. And we were sort of in the middle of the episode toward the end when we kind of heard the news. And things kind of fell apart. Uh, so please enjoy this episode as it is. Uh, and our next episode will be a Remembrance of Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher with our new host. Yeah. Might I suggest less sleeping and a little more work? Oh, sorry, Master Kenobi. Here, this should help. We need to change plans. You must focus on the firing drives. Disengage them. But I'm almost finished putting this chunky back together, and now... Just do as I say. We don't have much time. Episode 198 of Full Sip. I am the Mike Pilot. With me, my co-host, Brian Young. Brian, I gotta tell you, I'm excited to be talking to you. It's been a couple weeks since we've recorded the show because we recorded the Rogue One episode on Tuesday before Rogue One was released, and uh, we haven't really gotten together since then. So how you doing, bud? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, it's been it's been a relaxing holiday, and I've seen the movie a whole bunch more now. Yeah, me too. Did you have a, a Merry Sithmas? I did. I saw Rogue One for my ninth time nice. on the holiday. But uh, it shows me new things every time. But we're going to talk about that after. We've got like a special treat for everybody. Yes, we do. And this treat is provided by you. Well, uh, so Salt Lake Comic Con, uh, they're running their own podcast. You should check it out. The Salt Lake Comic Con podcast. Yes. Um, when they had Amy and Mike and I out, uh, they recorded a whole bunch of our panels. We recorded a whole bunch of our panels. And if you remember all of our Salt Lake Comic Con coverage, this was one that they held for themselves for a while, but we convinced them to let us uh, to let us release it as well. Yeah, and uh, it's a treat. You know, this is the uh, you're, you're not done with Amy yet. No, I think is well, you're is never going to be done with Amy. No, well, not done with Amy on the show. Um, you know, a lot of people were sad to hear that Amy's leaving, and I'm sad about it, too. Yes, we got lots of emails. I've been forwarding those along, so thanks for sending those. So Amy got a chance to moderate a panel at Salt Lake Comic Con uh, that was the Voices of Star Wars Animation, and so as our our last episode of the year, we thought what better send-off to give Amy, who has been just a great part of the show and and an amazing person, uh, than to hear her incredible conversation with some of your favorite voice actors. As we say this, should I play the Dawson's Creek's I don't want to wait for last to be over or like Green Day's Time of Your Life while we're doing this or nothing? <laughs> no, just nothing. Just nothing. Um, so you're going to hear on the panel um, from Steve Bloom, 
and and Amy is in charge of all of this, so you'll hear Amy kind of calling the shots. But you'll hear Steve Bloom, who plays Zebarelios, yeah, on Rebels. You'll hear Phil Lamar, who plays Bail Organa and Kit Fisto. Uh, you'll hear James Arnold Taylor, uh, who you recognize as Obi Wan Kenobi, and he's been on the show plenty of times. Our dear friend James. And uh, Fred Tatashore, who played Qui-Gon on Star Wars, the original Gendy Tartakovsky Clone oh, Wars. They were so good. And he's also played uh, a few roles in Star Wars Rebels. And uh, Amy kind of uh, just did a really great job, and we were really excited to share this audio with you. And we talked to her about it, and uh, she was more than, she was excited to let you all uh, get to, to check it out. So listen to the panel, and afterwards you can check in with mike and i talking about rogue one revelations after how many viewings and uh next week i think we'll be with a new co-host yes we will be having our first show of the year new co-host and good times i do want to say real quickly uh you said amy was in charge of this panel much like amy is the behind the scenes hosts at celebration this year again right yeah, so Amy is going to be in, uh, running the celebration or the the behind the scenes stage at celebration again, and and they couldn't have picked anyone better uh, to do that. No, I, uh, I think she's a wonderful voice in fandom, and I'm really excited that she's still going to have that voice in fandom, even if it's not always with us. And it was really cool. I saw her have a tweet earlier in the day that said she had exciting news, but she had to share it later. And then I got an email from Celebration, and it had david collins on it and amy and i'm like oh my god so i had to text amy right away and i'm like this is so sweet this is perfect yeah no she's great she's yeah. a, an excellent moderator and master of ceremonies and everyone going to uh celebration is in for a treat absolutely so let's get into this panel with amy and the voice actors from star wars and when we come back we'll like like brian said we're going to do some spoiler talks if you haven't seen rogue one yet when this panel is over you might want to jet out until you see force awakens so we'll be right back hello salt lake first, first day of a convention all still feeling pretty energetic excited i hope well, my name is amy rack like most of you in the audience i'm assuming i love star wars i think it's pretty darn neat and i especially love animated series so we're here today with some voices from star wars animation Let's bring these guys out, because they're way more exciting than I am. Uh, so first up, we have James Arnold Taylor. You may know him as the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi in Clone Bloom and the Clone Wars. Sorry, Qui-Gon and Gendy's Clone Wars. 
more than numbers, people. We need commitment. inspire any fear. Oh, I like it. Darth Fred is the Sith Lord that shows up a little late. Like, You're late again. I, I know. I'm sorry. I had to park the vehicle. And... Oh, that's Darth Fred. I Darth Fred. Like, I find your lack of faith disturbing. 
<laughs> James. <laughs> Bonnie, Wilma, Vader. Yeah, that doesn't definitely work. I find your lack of faith. Did they turn down the lights or am I having a stroke? <laughs> no, they did. You're, it's, you're it's, good. It's the altitude. Yes, both. <laughs> Everything is fine. Yeah. Nothing to see. Move along. Don't worry, Phil. You're going to be all right. <laughs> just drink know. the water. I just want to sit here and I, I don't even need to do anything. You guys are all... Yeah. Um, I do love that whenever I talk, especially to Star Wars voice actors, there is a lot of like, pinch me like this is really happening. And on this table, guys, we have people who have voiced not just the animated series, but video games. All of you have worked on one of the video games, some mm-hmm. of the Lego ones. And I want to go back a little to Gendy's Clone Wars, because James and Fred, you both, you both worked on those, and they were not yeah. super dialogue. The shorts didn't have <laughs> no, a whole lot no. of line. I said, uh, Anakin. And then I said, um, Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was, oh, there was Anakin. Right. <laughs> what was that? You know, and then stuff like And that. I think I said, no Anakin. No Anakin. So I want to talk about, you know, not that you had as much time in the recording booths on those, but the differences in working on that series with with Tartakovsky versus Dave Filoni. Yeah, very different. Phil, did you do anything on that Clone Wars? No, no, that Clone Wars put me out of work. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Uh, No, seriously. That's the reason uh, Samurai Jack went off the air. Oh, I'm, oh, so, I'm going to ask you a happy question, Phil. Because well, way to bring the room down, Phil. Thanks. We're back. Man, We're the back. whole other, the Star Wars story <laughs> and then this. No. Everybody's back. Every, no, yeah, that's true. It's all good. We no, no, because uh, George came to Cartoon Network and said, I'd like you guys to do an animated Star Wars. <laughs> and they said, yes. <laughs> and I, I love that Samurai Jack kid. Why don't we have him do it? And so they pulled Gindy off Samurai Jack to do Clone Wars, which was amazing. It actually reinvigorated my love for Star Wars. Oh, good. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like watching that. I'm like seeing all these new characters and this energy. I'm like, what? who is that? What is that? I'm just like Googling things. Um, but they loved it so much, they hired him away from yeah. Cartoon Network. Uh, uh, you know, um, and then... But Samurai Jack's yeah, back! Yeah. Yes! <laughs> and now he's a Jedi. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a rebranding mashup. <laughs> There's a lot of crossover happening these days. Gendy was very... Uh, he was more like George, I guess, compared to Dave. You know, Dave Filani, I'll come in. Okay, James, we're going to do this. He's like David Spade. Is what he's <laughs> Dave will come in and he'll go, so we're going to work on Star Wars today because that's the coolest thing ever. And then he tells you the story of what's happening. Like, he does it with yeah. Rebel Steel. And he'll tell you the whole episode for because three hours we don't get the scripts yeah. you don't get the scripts beforehand you go in blind so you know when you hear us read any of these lines it's like the first second or third time we've actually said them because you don't get the scripts so dave will tell you the whole thing but gendy was just like okay that's really good um let's try it again and, yeah. <laughs> sorry and, and i remember at one point they gave me they said for for they said can you ringo him up a little bit more yeah give him a little more ringo in the voice <laughs> Jess's, Jess's ears are burning. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, yeah, Fred, you remember much on that? It was short sessions. You literally, it would take me longer to walk from my car yeah. than it did to record. Because they were three minutes. Yeah, that's right. They were just real, real short. Usually, I was doing a creature or something too. Yeah. So that was on top of it. Was just all of that, and then you know, and that was, and then pass out. It was fun. Yeah. Well, as long as it was fun in the end. And he does that involuntarily, anyway. So. Yes, it's kind of Tourette. So lucky yeah. to get paid for that. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Um, many of you have voiced characters. Actually, I think all of you have voiced characters that both existed already in the universe and are new characters entirely. Uh, but Steve, I specifically want to ask you about Zeb because that's an entirely new character who has a very big role in Star Wars. Right, Rebels. no pressure at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, right. um, you're doing great. No worries. Well, thank you. Um, Just match but, Alec Guinness. Go. <laughs> <laughs> but what was, it, what was it like to find his voice and make him distinct from thousands of other, hundred, not thousands, hundreds of other Star Wars characters? Well, I, I have a really terrible memory, so that part helps right there. <laughs> I understand um, this. <laughs> And I found out that I was doing the character while I was in England doing a Transformers convention. So I was in some guy's home recording this thing for the first time. And Dave Filoni and the rest of the crew were in wherever they were directing me over the phone. And I didn't even realize that it was Star Wars. I walked in the room and I guess everything was coded during the audition process. So I walk in there and I, I look at the script and the first thing I see in there is Stormtroopers. And I'm thinking, Stormtroopers, this is Star Wars. Star Wars! <laughs> And so I had, to, I had to go through like an eight-year-old meltdown for the first <laughs> half hour. And then we started the process of fine-tuning the voice of the character. And we started, I started with a really deep Courtney kind of thing. But we couldn't really understand any of the words. And they said, no, you have to speak English so the kids understand. It's important. And then we tried Russian, we tried Australian, we tried a bunch of different things. And it basically became an amalgamation, which amounted to a terrible UK accent. <laughs> I can kind of feel that, yeah. But we have a little license there. You know, it comes from a, a planet that we've never heard of, from a race we've never heard of, and uh, so that, that kind of took some of the pressure off until they told me that he was based on the original Ralph McQuarrie design for, for Chewie. And then I thought, oh, I've got to really do a good job on this. So uh, that, that was the beginning of that process. But, but fortunately, bad accents sometimes come in handy. <laughs> Note to self. Um, and you guys should think of questions because we're going to definitely do a Q&A in the last like 15 minutes. So start brainstorming now and I'll let it's you know when it's time to line up. Um, and I want to talk about characters that you guys played that were existing. Uh, Phil, you came into, I mean, Bail Organa and Phil Lamar. Yeah, Those are, I mean, He does such a great job. Um, sorry, Bail Organa and Kit Fisto, even. You know, for, since I was a child, I've been doing a Jimmy Smith's impression. <laughs> and finally, it's, it came in handy. It's so good, I love it. Well, what was it like uh, coming from that angle where you do kind of have to match? Is it an exact match to those actors, or did you get to put your own flavor well, on it? initially, it has to be an exact match. You want it to sound as much like them as possible so that it's not jarring for the audience because they have this idea from the movies. I mean, millions and millions of people have already seen this character. So you can't just go, I'm Bail Organa! I'm a senator! I really want that to happen now. You know, so I went back... Go into Alderaan. (laughs) I hope nobody blows up our planet! That, does, that doesn't... Keep no. <laughs> it's an idea. Right. It's like, all right, honey, I'll see you later. You go get those plans. Um, no. So I watched a lot of, like, uh, old NYPD Blue episodes. So, like, whenever I go in, I go back to the... You know, like, those, you know, very heavy dramatics. Like, Andy, this is your entire career on the line here, wow. man. <laughs> this is not a joke. You know, and so like then you bring it into from there into this world, and I mean, he's you know he's got a very specific style, he's got a very specific way of talking, and a very light accent, you know. So I always go back to that, and you know, it's like have the protocol droids mind wiped, you know. Those those that's my pitch pipeline to make sure I'm I'm back on track. But um, that was 
that, that was amazing because you, you've got something to hold on to. Uh, Kit Fisto was weird because it was a character that existed but never spoke. Yeah, like Plo-Koon. You know? Yeah, like Plo yeah, Koon. Right. And Well, except, you know, I, I felt I had an obligation with Kit Fisto to make him more badass. Because, like, the, the image that most people had of Kit Fisto was like, oh, he's the guy who walked in the room and got killed. Aww. Like, you know, he's a really cool, he's cool. Jedi. And you got to do that with him in the, in the water, um, the season three openers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah that was yes. redemption. Exactly. <laughs> I am the Jedi who can swim. <laughs> Take off the robes, they're a drag. Come on. <laughs> Phil mentioned kind of having the touch point. Did you do something similar with Obi-Wan, James? Did you kind of have lines? Was there somebody you... else that played Obi-Wan? Uh, maybe. I don't know. No. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, huge, huge shoes to fill on both ends. Ewan McGregor, who's just, you know, just fantastic actor. Just a, a, he took this character that we already loved and he created this really cool, cool version of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, yeah, no pressure at all. It was, I, I did it as an audition for the original Clone Wars, and I had done a lot of his voice doubling in the past, and so I didn't know it was for a Star Wars cartoon. And, and so I listened to it, and I, I knew it was, it was Obi-Wan, and I, so I had, to, I had to do the way he would do it. I thought, well, okay. So we have similar voices. When he does an American accent, he sounds like me. Mm-hmm. So I would do that. So I thought, well, how would I sound if I had a British accent? And I was talking more like these aren't the droids. Okay. So then you combine all of it. And so I didn't think, how would you and McGregor voice this? I thought, how should Obi-Wan Kenobi sound? Obi-Wan Kenobi sound at that age. It kind of did the same thing. Because I'm essentially doing you and McGregor doing Alec Guinness doing Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> confusing at all. And the thing that locked it for me, and for all of you, you will come to my show on Saturday night. <laughs> it's called Talking to Myself in the Grand Ballroom, 5 o'clock, Saturday night, be there. And I tell the story of it, but um, what really cinched it for me, I was working with them, we were doing the Revenge of the Sith game, and uh, it was the second level of his voice. Come to your senses. What would Padme do if she were in your position? It was, it was that. He had this rasp and it was wonderful. You are the chosen one, you know. And so wow. when I did that, they all went, yeah, you, you got the gig. <laughs> like it's it, done. So, yeah, it was, it was, and it's fun to do. It's just fun to do. <laughs> I, I say my wife always wants me to talk like Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> These dishes are done. <laughs> Take out the trash, Obi-Wan. <laughs> but Plo Koon was, was uh, different. Dave Filoni, again, no pressure, Dave Filoni. Uh, everybody know who Dave Filoni is? The executive uh, producer of all these wonderful things and director and stuff. He, uh, his favorite character was Plo Koon. He loved the Jedi Plo Koon. And so he said, he said one word to me. He said, Gandalf. I want him Gandalf. So I did Ian McKellen. So when you listen to Plo Koon on the show... He's down here and he's pitched and he's got all this processing that Matthew Wood and David Acord, the genius sound designers, do. But when you hear Plo Koon normally, this is how I would do it in the studio. So I was like, Koto Ya, Sokotano. And, uh, and then they pitch it. And then the funny story, real quick. The first season we did it and they pitched me down and then I started watching it 
So then in my head, I started doing it pitch down. And yeah. Matt Wood's like, stop it, James. Now you're pitching it down. And I pitch it down. It's really like, He's like this now. <laughs> so they had to make an adjustment. It's a very tired Blue yeah. Coon. He's That's been through hilarious. a lot. That's so funny. <laughs> and Fred, I want to throw it down to you. I believe you're working on kind of a, a new venture in the Star Wars universe called Freemaker Adventures. You did a, a, a droid on that, correct? Mm, yes. I, is, that, is that the droid? <laughs> yes. Yes, there, well, there's a few droids I've actually had to do. Most of them are the assassin-type droids. You know, the, you know, a lot of times I'm just down here, sorry. You know, that kind of, you know. <laughs> so, as some of the games, uh, the weirdest thing for me has been doing uh, Wookiee uh, stuff. I know that's usually put together. That's kind of a designed thing, but... And I have to do that for the games. But the funny part is, is they have translations... For the Wookiee. So, like, I'm going to the store, and they said, can you just make it sound like you're saying I'm going to the store in Wookiee? So I was like... You know, like, I don't know... I don't know, like, how to make... That was a challenge. I I keep thinking the Wookiee should... We should have them speak basic. You know, like... You don't speak English. I just don't do it for you. Never come up. Yeah. So that's just weird incarnations of stuff we've lived with our whole lives, you know. Revoice my toys. Yeah. Right. Or even even Vader. Like you know, that's something I've been with for a long time. And in the parks, there's two. You know, there's a guy in the suit, and if the kids can talk to Vader now at Disney, and there's yeah, and so there. are as a difference between talking to the adults and teenagers, where it's kind of scary, like, I hear you're working for the rebellion. You know, like, there's always something sneaky. Whereas, like, to talk to kids, we have to kind of make Vader a little nicer. You know, because we don't want to scare the kids. So it's like, your power is growing. You know, <laughs> you might want to work for the Empire someday. Yes, you. <laughs> but it's really, it's really weird to have these, these characters you've been with for so long and have to really rethink, like, how would they be in this situation? Wait, wait this is a walk around in the park? Yeah. And it's pre-recorded? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, good. thank you, by the way. That Vader scared the bejesus out of me. I walked away. My heart was pounding after meeting Vader at Disneyland. At Disneyland? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. It's really cool technology they have, though. They've got little speakers on their backs. Yeah. And it's all like iPod stuff, and they play. It's really awesome. Wow. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So, I I thought that was real. It's it's, it's, it's real. It's real, Steve. It's real. Tell them it's real. Steve, it's real. It's Vader's real, Steve. Really talking to you guys. It's all good. Yeah, Vader moves around from Florida. <laughs> I'm real, Steve. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, no, I got to turn that down. Thank you. Sometimes they mess with my chest plate and they don't. <laughs> Turn off the Bluetooth on your phone. <laughs> Who has their cell phone on? <laughs> I thought that was a myth. <laughs> I sense Verizon in this room. Yeah, that's the kind of. Sorry. Imagine him on the phone. Wait. Wait. Yeah, hey, that would be great. Hold on, I have to take this. He's moving around looking for yes. the signal. No, I said I didn't want that. No, I don't want the LA time. <laughs> don't call here again. All right. <laughs> Oh my! Sorry, Amy. No, I'm entertained. It's all good. I think everybody's entertained. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> 
uh, switch to more some a couple general voice acting questions. I'm curious, um, and we'll start with Fred and and come towards me. Do you have anything you do in the recording booth, like rituals, like maybe take off your shoes? (laughs) Somebody told you that, didn't they? I might have a rebel spy. (laughs) You you are correct. uh, That's all I'm going to do to the rest of this convention. Nice to meet you. Let me sign this. Um, uh, um, Yes, I do. Well, a lot of times my characters... I have to jump around and, and do a lot of physical activity. So wearing shoes sometimes makes clumpy, you know, sounds. And I play the Hulk a lot. He's barefoot. But I just, um, I like to just, uh, yeah, I do. I do take off my shoes for, for a lot of the records. Keeps me cool and, can, and, and less noise, you know. Um, and then just, uh, what else, guys? What are you, are you warming up? Yeah, like to drink. They'll drink. warm up, and it's good to know what the character is and try to know the script if you can ahead of time. And... Um, and uh, sometimes you guys find you have to tune up a little bit your voice to yeah, a certain. Yeah. Sometimes you have to get your voice ready for certain characters. It's very. It's like tuning up an instrument a little bit. Yeah, especially if it's in the morning. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Unless you're unless you're doing this, you know, like. <laughs> right. You mean what now. Steve does? <laughs> yeah, Steve. Steve is always in the morning, aren't you? <laughs> I just gargle glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I take off Fred's shoes. That's what. Yeah, I well, that's, that's part of the deal. <laughs> part of your warm up. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. It's true. It's not really that weird. He has great socks. He has the best <laughs> he sock collection. He always has very, uh, very cool socks, colorful <laughs> socks. What do you got? It's Godzilla, Godzilla today. He's Godzilla. Godzilla, Godzilla yeah, there socks. he goes. Godzilla. Nice. So you can count on that. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Lost my mind for a minute. Go ahead. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't think I, I have any uh, ritual. Uh, You're like, do, maybe you need to come up with one. I, I should. Uh, yeah, then I, uh, then I might get some work. You used to read comics. You used to come in with a stack of comics. Oh, I, well, now I've gone yeah. digital. Oh, oh, I still have the comics oh, in my bag. Oh, oh, okay. they're, just, they're just less, less weight now. Oh. Um, yeah, that was... That's always fun. It's like I, be, I become the, uh, the the show researcher. Oh, you're doing that character? Actually, he looks like this. Any question you have about characters, yeah. Yeah. I, we've all done it. We've used him as a resource. I'm like, oh, thank God, Phil's here. Where, where, where is he from? Well, um, actually, that's it's a, it's a lesser known Silver Age character. Um, <laughs> this is not kidding. He appeared on page. Blah, 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 of issue number 203. Exactly. Uh-huh. You're one of those. Yeah. I got it. So yeah. Yeah, you don't, even, you don't even need the reference for that. You have that all up here, don't you? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's kind of frightening. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, it's really uh, not sexy. <laughs> well, for some of us it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speak for yourself, mister. To reach his own fill. <laughs> Geek chic. <laughs> I do raspberries before I go into the studio. Uh-huh. Just a bad Wookiee, yeah. Right. Yeah. Closed mouth. Get lots of spit on the car. <laughs> my, my whole dashboard is covered in saliva. <laughs> but it, it warms up the whole aperture. It's, yeah, it's great. It gets you open up. Especially Never when you have to do fast. Never take a ride from Steve Bloom. <laughs> yes, don't ride with him. How <laughs> <laughs> um, do you do? Yeah, I do, uh, I do a lot. You know, I lost, I lost my voice to uh, toxic mold poisoning about 11 years ago. And so I had to train with a, uh, a vocal trainer by the name of Gary Katona. And he's all about... You know, working your, your vocal cords because uh, they're muscles. So I do a bunch of different warm ups and stuff. And because most of my work is not this voice, so uh, you talk about spitting in the car, people 
next to me in traffic think I'm insane because I'm doing like, okay, yeah, look at beep 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 boy over there. Right. Right. Look at the guy listening to the Howard Stern show. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, but I do, yeah, and humming, you know. So you all know that when you hum, where you naturally hum, that's your natural range. So if you hum up there that's your natural range if you hum that's your natural voice so you want to talk within that but if you're going to do what we do you talk in all these other voices so you I hum a lot to keep my voice and here the air is dry man how do you all deal with it it's drying me out right now so yeah I I like to have a lozenge in the morning (laughs) and a hot cup of tea a hot cup of tea a little honey a little lemon Wait, James, what was, you once told me, like, doing, like, yeah. pushing the jaw down? Literally, yeah. you, you do all these, and so, like, you beat up all these muscles, the TMJ muscles especially. I do all sorts of stuff. I'm, like, the nerd. Like, everybody else walks in, and, like, Steve's just got this beautiful voice when he's, hey, how you doing? I can't, I never, I, I like, have to just, <laughs> and try and get there. Just yell at your kid. Yes. That's, that's how I do it. Yeah. <laughs> just a random kid passing by on the street. Come here, kid. Yeah. I just want to yell at you for a second. I need to yell at you. I don't know what you've done, but you will do something later that you deserve this. <laughs> that's why people always go like voice actors. Oh, voice actors, you guys sit in the little room and you talk and you make all that money. It's like, oh, no. no, no. Get in a fight with someone for four hours <laughs> and scream at them. Yeah. That's what a video game or oh, an animated series is like. You're just screaming. And then you leave and you're just like, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Right. That's a yeah, lot it's, of energy. It's a fight with someone for four hours where at the end you get electrocuted. Right. And, yeah. And, and again, we're the luckiest people in the world. We're very aware of that. We're not like complaining about it. But it yeah. is, it's exhausting. I'm complaining. Well, credit. <laughs> <laughs> It hurts. <laughs> it does. Fred has eaten me 531 yes. times. We actually have a tally of who was the creature and who was the person. Oh, and we've actually uh, devoured each other's characters. I think he wins because my creature devoured him in, in an anime, and I think you you took a sword and, and came out of my belly. I broke out, yes, and then I, I ate you. Come, yeah, yeah, he kind of like won that. But it's really funny. How what did it sound like, guys? Uh, okay. All right, you eat me first. drop our microphones after that because that's it we're really friends the convention is done sorry about the DNA yeah (laughs) okay so you guys if you have questions I want to go ahead and line up there's a mic right there and we will start (laughs) there will be no devouring of audience members please darn it Uh, let that one taste like chicken Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, I, I, I have a question. It's primarily for, um, for James Arnold Taylor, but there's a lot of speculation right now after episode seven has come out that Ray might be the granddaughter of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. And, yes. Um, yes. And I'm That's not a confirmation, by the way. I was just agreeing. Yes, I've heard. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, um, we 
can make news here. Um, anyway, uh, anyway um, I was wondering, do you think that he actually would break his Jedi vows at some point? And if he did, would you like that? <laughs> oh. Uh, or, I mean, there are some people who kind of think it would be cool, and there are some people who don't think it would be cool. So, wait yeah. a second, can I from Lucasfilm here? No? Yeah, I was going to say, I'll answer it here, and then I'll tell you my real answer later. No. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's wild because uh, I don't know if anybody knows, Fred and I were in Force Awakens. We were voices we were of uh, troopers, yes. And, yes. and I was actually yes. originally Obi Wan in The Force Awakens. I did the Ray, Ray. Ray. I said it like 20 times. And then they used, you know, Alec Guinness. That was great. Um, <laughs> Whatever, Alec. And they cut from his word, afraid. And they, Ray, they took that. <laughs> no, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, JJ went, that's great. Let's get uh, Ewan McGregor and Alec Guinness to do it. <laughs> but um, I've heard that. And I was amazed by it. Uh, you know, Satine, everybody know Clone Wars and Satine? <laughs> Hey, man, if you're going to break your uh, Jedi code, it better be with someone like the Duchess, you know? That's all I can say. Where's Satine? Oh, there's Satine. Oh, and Obi-Wan. Nice. Oh, there you go. Beautiful. Yes. Awesome. I would hope he wouldn't, because I do think on a real serious note as a Star Wars fan, the thing that I'm so honored about with Obi-Wan is he's, he's the real deal. Uh, see, now I'm going I'm to get choked up here, actually. He's... He loves this stuff. He loves being a Jedi. He, he's passionate about it. He is heartbroken when Anakin blows it and changes his life. And so I don't think he ever would, but I think he struggles with it. And that's how I played it for, you know, 13, 14 years as the character. So I was honored to do it. Cool. Thanks. James, I know you do impressions like Christopher Walken and Michael J. Fox, and I was sort of wondering, do any of you other guys do impressions? And when, when, or like when and how did you figure out you could do impressions? Like, did you just like goof around with your voice, and one day you're like, hey, that sort of sounds like this person. You went along with it, or how did you figure out you could do impressions? Uh, well, it's funny. I one of the earliest uh, impressions I did um, in my tenth grade uh, year. My high school did um, a Woody Allen play called Play It Again, Sam, um, where the Woody Allen character is visited by the uh, ghost of Humphrey Bogart. And I auditioned for the part of Humphrey Bogart as a small black 10th grader. Um, And I got it. Um, And... I, I mean, I think I'd always had an interest in voices and accents and everything, but that was where I first you know, really started to, you know, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. That's, that's where I really first started to like really analyze, analyze a single voice and figure out what it is about it that makes it special. And what is this person, what is the essence of it, as well as technically what are they doing with their mouth, you know? Yeah, yeah. Bogart and James Cagney were the first ones I did. And then Abbott and Costello. I do a bunch of them in my show, Saturday at 5 o'clock. Um, but Saturday, they, Abbott? Saturday. I do. Nobody does that. I do Abbott and Costello in it, yeah. But uh, so those guys had such... And then Frank Gorshin. If you guys don't know who Frank oh, Gorshin God. is, he was a brilliant, brilliant actor. He was the Riddler on the old Batman. <laughs> yes. And he was, amazing. he was the first guy to do Jack Nicholson. So I loved him. 
You know, so I started doing the, okay, I'll pull the hair back. And then <laughs> you picked up on these. And so with Christopher Walken, everybody does a version, you know. It's crazy. If Jess Parnell was here, in fact, his ears are burning right now. <laughs> but Fred does, oh, oh my gosh. I didn't do it, no. <laughs> what, his, oh. his Jimi Hendrix? Yes. Oh, my God. That's everybody remember Jimi Hendrix. Here we are. In Salt Lake City, <laughs> rock and roll, baby. It's all right. <laughs> I still got my guitar. It's okay. And Sam Jackson. If you can just get your mind together, <laughs> here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Jackson. I don't give a damn. <laughs> that's like <laughs> Samuel. That's my go-to in right. Samuel Jackson. That's, that's like I don't care. <laughs> Of the righteous man. No, you know. <laughs> and you all know that Phil is Marvin. I shot Marvin in the face. I- Phil was Marvin. They got shot in the face. <laughs> Marvin. <laughs> I'm, double, I'm double dipping on my fandoms. <laughs> being, being friends with Phil all these years, it's really hard to watch that scene. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like, you did that to Phil. <laughs> Do you have any go-to impressions, Steve? I don't really do impressions. I save yeah. it for the pros. So oh, I, yeah. I do like a bad Harvey Firestein. <laughs> the, the only other one that I really got away with was Goofy back in the day, but then I met Bill Farmer. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, oh, man. But I did, it on my, I did it on an answering machine when I was much younger, when they still had tape in the right. answering machine. Tape. And like, oh, oh, save is on here. Leave a message. And that's really And I would get... I would get I would get wrong numbers and people would call their friends to call my answering machine that that actually started that process to do voiceover but I never really got into the impressions because it was hard it was work and I'm really lazy that's fair I get Steve just has such an amazing voice. Mm. He's got this great, and so his characters. I just, I, I love the characters that you do and that you yeah. come up with. Out of the, no, seriously. Yeah, yeah, okay, it's it's twenty five. How much this time? Twenty five. Twenty five. And then I, if you want a picture, it's fifteen more. I'm gonna have to write you a check. <laughs> Are you going to the show? Because that's gonna be a little more money. Okay. <laughs> Wait, guys, a lot of questions. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> Actually, I have a question for Steve. It's about uh, the an- gateway anime to me was Cowboy Bebop, and your voice actually sounds very similar. Speaking of not doing much, with, um, so I was wondering, what could you talk about that experience? What it was like to make that show? Uh, yeah, I was terrified for the first five episodes. It was my it was my first leading role in anything, and I I literally did not feel qualified for it. And at the end of recording 26 episodes and a movie, I was talking to the director, who there's another story with this, uh, and saying, God, you know, after all this, I, you know, I felt like I, I really should have been more qualified as an actor. And she said, what do you think you've been doing this whole time? And I had been doing anime for 10 years prior to that. So I didn't realize that I had become an actor and, because I didn't do it the normal way. I didn't take classical training. So a lot of that was just sheer terror in the very beginning. But the, the, great, the great after effect for that was my director, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, uh, on the show. It was her first directing job. We've been friends for 17-plus years. And two years ago, she also played Julia on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Two years ago, we got together as a couple. And so that show literally changed my life in every possible way. It's amazing. 
show, show them the tattoo. Oh, yeah. They got the camera there. And for those of you who haven't seen the show, this is the very last word in the series that Spike says, and that's the sound file for it. I ripped it from the video and took a picture of it and, and cut it into my arm eight times on every line. I didn't do it, but the guy, the tattoo artist did. I bled more with this than anything, any injury I've ever had in my life, and it was worth it. You guys are the Mickey and Minnie of anime. I know, we kind of are. <laughs> Aw. Hi. Hi. Okay, Hi. so my question is actually also for Steve. Um, between Zeb and Ritlock Brimstone, are you starting to feel kind of typecast as a giant fuzzy cat? A bit? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have that problem at all. It doesn't bother me. I can play anything they tell me to. I say, Steve, go to the microphone and say something funny, and I do, and then I get paycheck, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting question, though. I will be pondering that one for a while. Uh, Carabast. I'm wondering, um, what Star Wars character would you like to play, but you can't do that voice? Obi-Wan. No. <laughs> Uncle Owen. <laughs> Uncle Owen. Oh, Uncle Owen. Yeah, no. Uh, gosh, I don't know. You guys... One that we couldn't like it, that you can't do the voice? I, I can't yeah. think of one I can't do the voice. Princess Leia. <laughs> <laughs> Working on my Carrie Fisher. No, it's not. <laughs> I got a ways to go. But... Deeper. Deeper. You got to go deeper, Fred. Deeper. Deeper? Okay. She'd be excited to hear that. <laughs> no. no, I mean, the one you want to play is Han Solo, but it's yeah. taken. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Gar. Thanks, everyone, Gar, for coming everybody. out. We really appreciate you being here in Salt Lake. Oh, um, Doc Hammer, the creator of Venture Brothers, once said that you have to practice your voices in the most mundane of situations to make sure you get it. Can you tell us about voices that you have practiced out in the open and where that may have <laughs> take it where you will? I, I, do, I do them like if I know I'm going like so I do Jay Baruchel's voice if you guys know who Jay Baruchel is from How to Train Your so um, so he uh, you know he sounds like this and uh, so I I will go into a store and go do you have um, what is it called uh, uh, and they always buy it so you know it's yeah and perpetual Michael J. Fox mode it's always whoa wait a sec wait a sec so I don't know. You guys, I, I, I find it's just hard to practice. Like sometimes yeah. I'll be walking down and just practicing a little bit. If I want to find, like I, I was on Ben Ten. I play this character Rip Jaws, and he's got this kind of voice. And thanks. And um, I found myself in Hollywood, and I was walking down the street practicing. And I didn't realize there were people. Like I was just turning the corner. So now I'm talking to myself like that, going, saying things like, "Those aren't your eggs." Um, and these guys just looked at me just terrified and I'm like you know you feel like you have to play it off like you're a crazy person too you know never mind you know kind of hard uh, you know uh, yeah it's, it's, it's hard when you try to bring that life into your normal life but yeah well if I was in Los Angeles that was probably didn't phase anybody no Comes act like you're on your phone yeah. oh yeah now yeah you it totally. comes out involuntarily for me I'll be standing in, in an aisle in target looking at a wolverine character and a little kid will be standing there looking it up and i'll go back off bub that one's mine and the, kid, and, the, and the kid will start crying and the mom will come after me with her purse and i get arrested and it's yeah i'm sensing a theme with you and children 
right. Oh, yeah, it is a theme today, isn't it? How did my kids come out normal? I have no idea. He has wonderful kids. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank two you. out of three. We have room for maybe two questions, maybe three if they're quick. Oh, sorry. Hello, uh, my name is Steven. Um, I just have a question. What was it like when you first, when you guys all started, like, um, starting doing voice acting, like, in the very beginning? Well, before the dawn of time, <laughs> they used to record on wax outside of a railroad station. Everything was shaped. So you'd wait till the train left, and then you'd record your words very quickly. That's right. Yeah. I, I started in radio when I was uh, 17 and uh, started to stand up in, the, in radio, and I just loved doing it. I actually didn't mind hearing myself, you know. Because I sounded, you know, like I thought, I thought I sounded like this, but I actually sounded like this. <laughs> Did you hear yourself back? No, but I don't know. You guys were... I had the deepest voice in a mail room where I was working, and they needed a creature for an anime called the Giver. And they promised me free breakfast and lunch, and I was a starving musician. That's all I needed to hear. Right. <laughs> but, um, um, well, the first uh, job I had in voiceover uh, was in high school. Uh, I was on the Mr. T cartoon. And, um, so cool. It's really unwatchable. <laughs> Drink your milk. <laughs> well, I, got, I, I wish I was doing Mr. T. No, I was, I was, I was doing one of the kids on yeah, the, yeah. the traveling uh, uh, team of gymnasts that go around solving mysteries. Like you do. <laughs> um, and we were, we were directed to end every sentence up. No matter what. No matter what you were saying, you always had to end the sentence up. I'm so sorry your dog died. <laughs> So, not, not, the, not the height of, uh, of my, uh, my, my career. Uh, just growing up, it's a nice thing to mention, actually. I like Mr. T. Curtin. Um, uh, I used my dad's tape recorder. I th- either stole it or he gave it to me. I think it was one of those. And I just got it, just making my own shows and loving that. And that same with James. I got into doing stand-up and improv and then music and theater. And then it just kind of, that became a, a big you know the, the way in and then I started looping for me my job was looping for films yeah. you know like uh, foreign dubbing you know that kind of thing my big thing was Gladiator that was my big movie that I, I actually got on and there's a, I have so many lines in that thing you will be fighting for the emperor do not turn your back on him you know, die with honor, that, that kind of thing. You yeah. know, so all the Shakespearean oh, stuff you learn. Yeah, I know, it'll ruin it for you. <laughs> like, I know that guy. Well, on that note, unfortunately, we are out of time. Thank you all so much. Give a big round of applause, applause to these guys. Thanks for having Thank us, you guys. Thank you all so much. Thank you, guys for Thank Oh, so yeah, I mean that was a great panel. I actually uh, heard that one. I, I I do want to say about Salt Lake Comic Con, Brian. Uh, first of all, they sponsored us to to go out to Rogue One, and um, they've always been a great partner with you over all these years of you being Mister Salt Lake Comic Con. I know you won't say that, but I just did. And uh, Ryan and everybody at Salt Lake Comic Con when, when I was out there back in September, they were just so welcoming. They're so awesome. Salt Lake is, besides where I live, my favorite town in the world. I consider it my second home, and um, I'm thankful that they let us share this as well. I mean, they, they've always been so great to us. Yeah, and if you still want to get tickets for the next show, uh, that link to the uh, to the Full of Sith ad, if you check out our Rogue One episode, uh, you can use Full of Sith for a discount on tickets still. I'm going to leave it in the show notes in the episodes until we get to uh, Salt Lake Comic Con, and then people will always be able to access it. So, Rogue One, though. Yeah, so now how many times have you seen it? Nine. Nine. As we record this. So you you, got, you certainly got me beat. 
you did get a couple screenings in there that I didn't have access to. Um, I'm at five. Six is on Friday. And uh, probably a seventh over the weekend, too, because I have a, a sister that wants to go see it as well. After nine viewings of Rogue One, Brian, where do you stand as opposed to when we walked out of the Pantages Theater a few Saturday nights ago? There's a lot more nuance to it than I realized. There's a lot more emotion to it. And I think my favorite scenes have changed and my favorite moments have changed. Well, explain. Um, well, I think the uh, the scene where Cassian, like the scene immediately after Edu, the scene between them leaving Edu and uh, the scene on Mustafar where Jin is calling Cassian out on lying to her and wanting to kill her father. And Cassian has to hit back with that, that line, you know, where he says like, we don't all have the luxury of deciding when and where we want to care about a problem. And suddenly the rebellion's real for you. Yeah. And then, you know, the line where he says like, since I've been in this fight since old. I was six years old. Yeah. You're not the only one who lost everything. Like, I think that's some of the most powerful moments in Star Wars, period. And it really sold it for me. It's kind of a turning point for Cassian as a character for audiences, I think, because like we talked about before, Diego Luna is just a likable dude. Like everything he's been in and him as a person just talking to him, he's a likable guy. And so for how the movie starts off, he's flat out murdering his, I, I wouldn't say it's his friend, but he flat out murders somebody in the rebellion. And you're like, whoa, wait a second. This guy is really dark. This guy's a bad guy. And that speech and the speech about everything that he's done when he's talking to Jin and the rest of the group about, you know, he has to believe that it's been for something. Like, those are moments in the film where it really turns around. Like, if I'm an empathetic person. You're an empathetic person, Brian. You put yourself in that situation. He He was doing everything that he thought was right, even if it was against his morality or his humanity or, or whatever. And you hear that and you, you start getting on Cassian's side. Like, yeah, I mean, like he's been doing this since he's a little boy. He lost everything. And telling Jin who, you know, she has her own demons. She has her own problems. I think that's a real good connection for them at that part. Yeah, no, I think, uh, so much of the, there's so much more character work that you don't realize those first couple of viewings, you know, like yeah, that moment, watch, for that moment right in front of uh when when uh Cassian shoots his contact mm -hmm. right and uh the look on his face has such a weight to it but then you connect it to the next scene um or a scene later when they're on Jeddah right mm -hmm. and he's like oh i had a contact with saw's men his sister should be there. We're looking for her because she's going to be looking for him. He's looking for the sister of the dude he murdered in cold blood. Oh, man, that's brutal. And at least that's how I read it. And, uh, you know, he's carrying all of this with him. And I really love the idea that there's a moral complexity to the rebellion that we just hadn't seen before. And this really is. I mean, this is a, a way different movie than the other Star Wars movies. The yeah. other ones are, are very much heavy on adventure, heavy on fun. And that's not to say this movie's not fun, but it is a brutal war film. Yeah. I love little details, like how they've all got, like, half of Melshi's men have, like, and I say that they're all men. Could, was Melshi a misogynist? Maybe. he. Why didn't he have any female troops? Um, they have death sticks strapped to their helmets. 
Yeah, Have yeah. I did catch that because you know, in, in World War Two, World War One, the soldiers wore cigarettes in their helmets like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just thought that. it was a a lovely touchstone back to the the prequel era. There's a lot of touchstones to those, and and uh, I don't know. There's just so much, so much I noticed. Like another thing I've really noticed is how much American Graffiti in THX eleven thirty eight is is in the movie. Okay, I've seen them both. I love them both, but you're the you're the the movie guy. I don't. What did you see? I don't know. So with THX 1138, there's a few things. Like you know that scene on Edu where Jin is climbing up the the ladder. Yeah, that's straight out of the last shot. Like that's the last sequence in THX yeah. 1138. Yeah, you're right. Or or when um, like so much of the audio quality of the film, like you'll just hear stormtroopers in the background, like practically chanting numbers. It, it has that sort of oral quality of THX 1138 or even the ending, uh, uh, where they're in the archive and Cassian has to be using the handles to pull the, the tapes out. That's very much like the interface Robert Duvall uses as THX, uh, or Thex, uh, in the film at his day job. Um, but American Graffiti, a lot of it is like the acting style in this movie and the the way the camera moves is much more documentary style. Yeah. Um, just like American Graffiti is. And that, that kind of shows me that like Gareth Edwards and the team of brilliant creatives who put this, this film together really took what, what Dave Filoni has kind of said, uh, to heart over the years. Like if you want to learn how to tell a great Star Wars movie, don't look to Star Wars specifically. Look at the movies behind Star Wars. Yeah. And I can't think of two more important than American Graffiti and THX. I do want to say that there's a lot of younger listeners to our program. And if you haven't seen American Graffiti, both movies are great movies. I'm not, I'm not going to point punches about that. But American Graffiti is one of those movies that can hit home with you as a human being. As a, uh, if you're older, you know, uh, lost youth. Uh, if you're if you're younger, it's the same, probably the same area you are in your life. So if you haven't gone back and, and watched American Graffiti, I, I, I couldn't give that movie enough marks uh, and to let people know to watch that. So maybe uh, us talking about this, uh, some some of the newer Star Wars fans or some of the younger Star Wars fans will go back and watch those movies and, and see some of the touchstones that you're, you're you're talking about. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely they're there and it's. It's really exciting to me. I really see that. And there's a lot of other movies I see in there. And the other really interesting thing is, like, I think the music works a lot better for me now. I love what Giacchino did. I didn't pay attention to the music that much my, my first two screenings. Because I was so, Brian, I was so caught up in everything that was going on visually. And some of the, the sounds, like the Death Star getting powered up. And I was so stuck on some of that to make sure that it was, you know, kind of what I was expecting, what I was hoping. That until the third viewing, yeah, Giacchino did some of those moments where where the music notes hit. It is absolutely wonderful, and you know we've we've heard um, we've heard Williams all these years, and Kiner has done a great job with the the shows. But yeah, yeah, I was talking to Bobby about it the other day, and of course Bobby knows way more about music and Star Wars music than I ever will. And I love having that conversation. Maybe we can uh, convince him. So far, I haven't yet, but maybe we can convince him to come on and do an episode about this soundtrack and the movie because um, he brings up so many things that I haven't or I won't think about on my own. And it really um, makes a better connection to the film for me with the music. Yeah, no, I think uh, I, it's just a really great 
it's a really great compliment to Star Wars. My only complaint is the way they packaged the uh the way they the way they uh packaged the uh soundtrack. Okay. Right? Like there's no like the ending credits like that music's not there. Yeah. They just cut off that that where where Leia takes off. Yeah. That's a shame. But let's talk about what they do with, you know, the cues for the Imperial March Invader. I mean, it's not what you would expect it to be, and it's changed enough that it is for this story, but it's still... Doesn't it bring you back to being a little kid and, and hearing the Imperial March for the first time and seeing Vader come oh, on yeah. the screen? Yeah. It's fantastic. I want to go back quickly. I'm sorry. Go back to Cassian real quick about uh-huh. how things had changed for me or with Cassian over the movie. Um, when he is uh, ready to snipe off Galen yeah. and it's raining and he wants to, he's wiping his eye to make sure that he has the clear shot and, and, and make the shot he wants. But he also, the way he wipes his eye is like that kind of trying to convince himself not to do it. Like uh, there's too much water. I can't get the shot. Out. You can see his confliction. He does not want to kill Galen. And um, I, I thought it was very much like that moment in Blade Runner, right? There's a lot of Blade Runner in this movie, but that idea that, that, you can't see his tears in the rain. Yeah, yeah. That was where I was about to go with that. So, yeah, I just... Uh, and then, look, uh, other things that, you know, I just... You notice right away seeing it, K2SO is just brilliant. Alan Turk, the way he voices the, the character is, is amazing. But I've been talking to a lot of people, people that don't like Star Wars have seen this movie, and how that character has really um, made the movie for them. Like, they want to go back yeah. and see it just for K2SO. and. And um, Amy sent a really cute thing. I said, uh, sent a text out to all the Felicith hosts, past and current, the, uh, on Christmas Day. And Amy sent a, a text back, and then it, it said about K2SO with a Santa hat on, and it says, "Wishing you a Merry Christmas." The captain said I had to, and that I thought that was great. Man, K2SO was great, and and a total fanboy about this movie now, Brian, because we walked out of the theater. I said that uh, in time would tell, but I thought that it could rival Empire. I thought I loved the movie walking out of it i was overwhelmed and i wasn't trying to be you know um an overreactive star wars fan just because of where we saw it and how we saw it but you know like i said five times in and a couple more to go um brian it's 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 an amazing film it it, it fits star wars so well but it shows us things that we've never seen before and i i just love how they do it in the realm that it's a star wars story and not just star wars i like that it wasn't the, one of the feature movies, do you, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and just, it, but it makes A New Hope a continuation of Rogue One. Like, just that taking that out of consideration where we don't have to have that discussion about how long was it since Leia got away and then Vader catches up to him in A New Hope. And like you were talking about before, this keeps ringing through my head like crazy. Every time I leave the movie, come home and I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking about it. How dumb Solo and Luke and Obi-Wan are that they get these data tapes away from them and bring and them they go right, right back, back to the Death Star. Yeah. Right back. It's like right there. It's right under their thumb. Uh, it's hilarious to me. It's uh, it's like uh, it's like nerve wracking. It makes A New Hope that much more tense. Yeah, it does. Because I watched A New Hope. We watched it. I watched it after we saw the movie the first time and I watched it twice since I've been home and it has um we always talk about Star Wars movies and, and when we saw the trailer for um 
Force Awakens, we said it, it looked like everything was intense and a lot was going on and everybody was in a hurry. It makes A New Hope isn't as relaxed as I once thought it was. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. What, what, how do you feel on repeated viewings about Peter Cushing? All right. So I've heard two sides, three sides, four sides about Peter Cushing. And um, the people that come to me and say, I, I really love that they did this. I'm, I'm on board with them. I I feel that Tarkin had to be in this movie. I didn't like the Tarkin they used in, well, I don't know. Who was that? The other Tarkin. In, Wayne Pigram? Yeah. I, he, he, I don't know. He just said, I didn't like his look. So I was expecting at most, because I heard a whisper that we might see Tarkin's face reflection. And for when he turned around and then the rest of the movie, Brian, I bought it. I mean, I know it's CGI and I know that, uh, it does standing next to a real human being. It's not identical to the movements and the look of a real human being, but think about bringing somebody back from the dead to play a role and play the role in a petrifying way and driving the movie. And I took my mom and dad to see it last Tuesday. And I didn't even know my mom knew, knew Peter Cushing's name. I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, my mom and dad took me to star Wars and they supported my star Wars habit when I was a kid. But we were sitting there, and Tarkin turns around, and my mom dug her her nails into my arm, and she said, how the hell did they do that? He's been dead for years. Like, just shock. And then, as the movie went on, she just, every time he came on the, the screen, she kind of just grabbed my arm, and when we left, her biggest thing that she took out of the movie, besides Vader being absolutely terrifying in that last scene, is how they brought somebody back into, into the movie in a way that they needed to, to, like I said, to drive that story. And so... Then I've heard, you know, people who just complain about everything, about how they didn't like it and it didn't belong there and it didn't look good. And and I always go back to, I'm not a critic. I like a good story. I want to be entertained. I thought it was needed there, so I don't overly criticize these things because I'm certainly not I'm certainly not an animator. Could I have done a better job than, than they did? Absolutely not. So if you can't, shut up. I really like the idea. Like, I don't know, like, as I've watched it, it becomes less and less of a problem every time I see it. Like, and I saw it, I saw it, I caught it in laser projection once and every issue I had with the CG disappeared. And I don't know, that was my fifth viewing. And I don't know if it's just repeated viewings kind of melt that away. Cause I think part of it is like, we know what Peter Cushing looks like. Mm -hmm. We know what Peter Cushing as Tarkin looks and sounds like. And we've memorized every single thing he said or did and in every nuanced bit of his performance, we've taken it in and here's new stuff all of a sudden Yeah, that I think that's almost as jarring as the idea that we know he's dead and has to be CG. But the more you see it and the more it becomes familiar territory for Star Wars fans, the less you notice it like completely. There's shots where I honestly wouldn't have been able to tell. Like if somebody would have wiped my memory and showed me one and then the other i wouldn't be able to tell if you the one scene where he's standing behind everybody and talking i don't think that you could tell the difference on that scene i think that for for me oh my god like we talked about wait we, wait whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. What's up? um don't tell me that gray fisher died yeah are you serious um let me find some some uh confirmation here um people magazine yeah yeah carrie fisher died this morning (sighs) 
Yeah, well, it's been a rough couple of days worrying about her and her condition and everybody texting and trying to find out what was going on. And I, I'm, I don't know, I'm a little in shock right now. Yeah, me too. Um, well, I guess we know what our next episode's about. Yeah. Now I'm going to need a couple of days to process. I'm, yeah. Dude, I can't yeah. think. To to finish my thought about Tarkin, um, I think that I've said this too when we walked out of the theater that night. It was really a um, it was like a subtitle movie. Like after a little bit, my brain didn't like focus onto it. It was it was there. He was there, and I just thought it was great there. I I don't. I wanted to ask you: Have you heard anything about what his uh, his family felt about that? Because if it was me, if it was my grandfather or my father. And he was such a big part of Star Wars, and they had a new Star Wars movie, and they did this as a homage to him and and to bring him back for the for the movie. I would be in, incredibly touched, and I would I would just really love that. Have you heard anything about his family? What they thought about it? Um, I guess the one quote I saw about it was that uh, the the one quote I saw about it uh, was that they were under a non disclosure agreement, but they had worked closely with the family. Okay. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Is there, was there anything else from uh, from your newest uh, viewings? Sorry, my, no, my brain well, is trying to focus. Yeah, my my brain is gone too. All right. Well, um, yeah. Let's just let's. End. All right, we're gonna we're gonna end it there, folks, and um, we will be back for our next episode. We will have somebody. Do you want to announce who it is now, Brian, or do you want to make people wait? Um, let's let's make them wait. Okay. You'll you'll enjoy it. So. If you want to uh, leave us a voicemail about Amy or about uh, anything in this episode with um, with the panel or your thoughts on Rogue One, we've gotten so many emails about it. I've been trying to respond to everybody personally, which when you're getting a thousand emails, that's hard to do. But I've been I've been doing my best. And um, if you want to email us, you can do so at holocron at com. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can record one and send it to holocron at com, Or you can use the SpeakPipe app on our website, which is com. There you can find our contact information like our Twitters at full of Sith at the mic at Swankmotron at Amy underscore geek at Bobby Roberts PDX at Parker publicist. Um, all that, all the contact information is on each and every episode page. Uh, you'll find uh, the show guide and notes and, and pictures and, and all kinds of contact information there. Go to facebook.com slash full of Sith and like us there. It's where we post episodes on Facebook. Also facebook.com slash group slash full of Sith and get in on the conversations that we have there on a regular daily basis, multiple times a day, different subjects about Star Wars that uh, the listeners have uh, submitted themselves or that we've been talking, bringing up and uh, talking about. And um, that's it. Uh, Brian, do you want to let everybody know where they can uh, find your books and uh, your Patreon and all that and your other show? Um, yeah. So the other show is uh Fothentic history. You can find us at fothentichistory.com. My Patreon's patreon.com forward slash swankmatron. You can get short stories from me there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Swankmatron, and that's pretty much where I am all the time. And that's it. Episode 198 of Full Assist. Sorry that uh, uh, kind of fell flat here for a little bit. I'm trying to deal, and um, we will talk to you next week. And so for episode 198 of Full Assist and my co-host Brian Young, I am the Mike Pilot. May the Force be with you. Always.
sir, if you'll not be meeting me, I'll close down for a while. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.